0: Last week, we continued our series called Son of Heaven with a point of the message that Jesus builds. Jesus is a builder. Jesus builds. We saw it throughout Scripture. So I just want to recap four points really quick for you this morning, and then we're going to move on. First of all, we talked about Jesus builds the church. Upon the confession of Peter, he says, I I, I will build my church. Upon this rock, I will build my church. We see that Jesus is building. We're created to build. We're created to be building people. Second thing is Jesus builds people. You know, I'm crazy in love with the church because that's what Jesus is building. I'm crazy in love with people because that's what Jesus is building. And when I see God moving in people, uh, God growing in people, people being, you know, just kind of moved from one place to another, there's a shift and it just encourages me every time. The third thing was Jesus builds abundantly he said this he said I come that you might have life and have it what abundantly there's not one good parent that their dream and desire for their child is to just get by I hope my son just makes it just barely makes it no we all have dreams come on you remember when you're I remember when you know when we had our first baby boy. I'm like, I've already put a Superman towel around him, you know, because he's like he's gonna gonna change the world, right? That's that's the heart of God towards us, and 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 Jesus builds life abundantly. We defined abundant biblically. It means. Surplus, beyond extraordinary, beyond all measure, to flourish, to grow wonderfully. Jesus said, I come that you might have life that's surplus, that's beyond extraordinary, that's beyond all measure, life that flourishes and life that grows wonderfully. Who doesn't want that? Said no one, right? And then finally, Jesus builds the future. We talked about that last week. It's so important we understand because Jesus said, if I go, I go to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house, there's many mansions. And I'm like, man, everything that we experience, the beauty of creation, God created in six days. In 2,000 years, Jesus is building, He's building, He's building, He's building. Man, that's, that's exciting to me. And what it also means is your future is brighter than your past. Amen? The future is bright no matter what the news say. No no matter what the culture of the world says, there is a future ahead of us that is brighter than the past. And sometimes we hang on to the past. Sometimes we want to forget the past. You know, if any man is in Christ, old things pass away, all things become new. So we need to understand this. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. The future is bright. You have a bright future. Amen. Can I just speak that into you? I think there's people here this morning that you're not convinced. So this morning, I want to unpack the, the, the message in Matthew regarding the coming of the Son of God, the coming of the Christ child. In Matthew 1, we're going to read this and then we're going to, we're going to break it down. <clears throat> now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed, somebody say betrothed. It's kind of a cool word. Betrothed. Betrothed to Joseph before they came together. That means intimacy physically it says before they came together she was found to be with child from the holy spirit and her husband joseph being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame resolved to divorce her quietly so there's some crazy stuff that happens in this passage because betrothal in this biblical culture is it's binding it, it, it's like it's like it, it's an engagement that that you can only break by divorce. Even if the marriage hasn't been consummated, it would be like somebody, you know, getting engaged and they haven't had, you know, somebody perform the marriage yet. But that that engagement, that betrothal is so binding that they can't get out of it. And, and if they do, it's considered divorce or if they if they mess around outside of that engagement, it's actually considered adultery that's how binding it was and it was most likely an arranged marriage there's some biblical stuff that traditions that we don't have today that when you look at them and you break them down they'd be like wow that's kind of that's kind of crazy right see parents of the Of the, and some, some scholars believe that Joseph was close to 30. Some believe he's probably in his late teens, maybe early twenties, and that Mary was probably 14, no, no, no older than 16. So what happens in that arranged marriage thing is the parents of Joseph, let's just use Joseph, would have been looking for a suitable, you know, young woman for their, their son to marry. And they would consider all kinds of aspects in that. You know, is 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 she suitable for him? Is she suitable for us? Does it add to our family? Like, wow, yeah, because if she gets married, she's gonna get she's gonna get four cows, and that means that they're gonna bring four cows. I I got a four-cow girl. But I think he deserves to be, you know, to marry a ten-cow girl. I mean, there's just all kinds of stuff that plays into it. Or it's like, well. Like when Robbie and I married, in my mind, I was always gonna marry somebody that was tall, because I wanted a whole bunch of basketball players. And she was five one and a quarter, right? If that had been an arranged marriage, then it would be like, no, nah, she just doesn't measure up. I tell you what, I I I tell her all the time, I just you know, I, I she married up. That's that's all it that's all there. <laughs> oh it's a good one, huh? Merry Christmas. That one was free. She's so awesome. But there are strange, some strange biblical traditions. For example, if somebody passes away, what they would also do, one of the traditions was they would go and they would hire professional mourners. That's crazy. It's like, my uncle Larry passed away. We need to go find somebody that actually is really good at whaling. That's exactly what it was. This is a top tier whaler over here. There is a whole agency over here that they're, you know, they're they're basically you can you can hire out you know mourners and and whaler. I mean, this is this is by, this is tradition because that what they would do is they would mourn for like days and days and days, and so we look at some of these. Bible traditions, um, like think, think about the marriage ceremony of Isaac and Rachel. Now, if you, if you have, anybody have like a son or daughter that you've had married recently or blah, blah, blah. The, do you know the, this is, this is crazy because we go through a process. Um, the average uh, wedding in America basically is about $25,000. That's what it costs. If you look at Isaac, what he did was he just actually threw Rachel in the tent. That's a lot more economical. I mean, I would be like, if I had a daughter, I would be like, hey, how about we go to Cabela's and buy one of those really nice wall tents? I'll even put a shepherd's stove in it. And then you can, you know what I'm saying? This is crazy. So we have these traditions that we go through sometimes. And, and, and some of them are good and some of them are thankful you, Jesus, that they are not what we find. But so what happens is that the marriage had not been consummated yet, but the only way to break the engagement was by divorce. And although this was shocking, Joseph decided not to uncover what would have been considered adultery in the day with Mary. So here's this dilemma. And we tan because we know the passage. We know the story. We've 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 sung it. We've heard it. We've preached it. We've spoken it. We've heard the story. We've seen the you know, we've seen the nativity scene underneath the tree. How many of you got a nativity scene set up somewhere? That's really cool. How many of you have the the shepherds around the nativity scene? That's not biblical, but you know, because they came later. I'm just going to blow all your presuppositions up this morning. I heard it, I heard a good one. You probably heard this too, but this little boy really wanted a bicycle for Christmas. And, you know, he's praying to God, hey God, I just pray that there'd be a bicycle and he'd go and he'd look and there's nothing under the tree. Because you can tell if there's a bicycle under the tree, right? Seriously. I got a bicycle under the tree once. So he goes and he, he prays that night and he goes in and he looks and there's still not a bicycle under the tree. So he goes back and he prays again, praying hard. I need a, please, please, Jesus, please, God, please give me a bicycle. And then he goes and he looks and about the third time he prays, there's no bicycle under the tree. Then he basically decides he's going to pray one more time. And he goes to the nativity set, and he grabs, he grabs Mary. And then he prays, and he says, Jesus, I really want a bicycle, and if you ever want to see your mother again. <laughs> so Joseph has this dilemma. <laughs> because we... You guys are not going to be able to unthink that. But we tend to gloss over this, knowing where it's going. But what a shock. What a shock it would be. Found to be with... We read it, found to be with child, and as he considered these things, right? And we're like, found to be with child. And he considered, uh, what is going through Joseph's head? So he's in in turmoil, so much so that a divine intervention is needed. And Mary had already had her visitation. And we see this in in Luke chapter one. And by account, it would seem that maybe there'd been a conversation with Joseph, but maybe not. And I wonder. I just would have loved to see what that conversation looked like. Mary comes to Joseph. And says, "I got, I, I got, I got some, I got some news." Uh, notice how I've not been really eating your cooking in the morning. Notice how there's no pickles in the refrigerator. Notice how maybe, you know, there's a few extra pounds. Well, I'm with child, and it's by the Holy Spirit. And he's like, sure you are. I mean, seriously, it's it's outlandish. So much so was he, he was struggling with this, and, and we see in the in verse 20, but as he, and once again it's 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 so as he considered these things. I don't know about you, but I would be in turmoil over these things i'd be like what is going on i cannot believe with the holy spirit are you kidding me but but we read it and it's kind of sanitized but as he considered these things behold an angel of the lord appeared to him in a dream saying joseph son of david do not fear to take mary as your wife for that which is conceived in her is from the holy spirit And so what God did was he said, man, I'm going to intervene and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to to intersect his thinking. And we find out that Joseph, the word to him was Joseph, son of David, do not fear. Many times when we're intersected by the extraordinary things of God, it's fear that will keep us from moving forward. It's fear that will keep us from, oh, I'm going to pray for that healing. I'm going to pray for that word. I'm going to pray for that direction. Or it might be fear that says, you know, I don't know that if I want to give Jesus my whole life because I'm afraid he might want me to go to Africa or something. How many of you have ever had some fear like that where it's just like, if I really give all that I am to Jesus, I might be construed as a Jesus freak. If I really have, um, there's a fear that will keep you from moving forward into the extraordinary thing that God wants to do in your life. So we, we go on and we find in verse 21, which is really kind of the point of the message. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. See, think about this verse 21 is the reason we celebrate christmas celebrate the birth of jesus we entertain thoughts of of trees and lights and gifts and family and 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 food but christmas is the story of god intervening into the natural with what we really needed what we real have you ever tried to fix something with the wrong tool i have doesn't work very good usually a yard sale afterwards Right? I came across this. It, it, it just it fits so well. Our greatest need. Our greatest need, if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness. And so God sent us a redeemer. He gave the gift that we really needed. And that's a gift of redemption through Jesus. And And see, most people don't think of sin when they think of Christmas. But here's, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This this, this is so important that we don't, we don't miss this because in that passage we found the narrative of the birth of Jesus. We found the reason for the season. This is the reason for the season. She will bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. You know, and you think, man, I just came this is the first time I come to church in a long time, and you know, I know it's going to be Christmas music, and then here's this guy up there being a Donny Downer preaching about sin. But that's the reason. That's the gospel. If we look at the definition of sin, sometimes we're all over the board, but in essence. It's the failure or refusal of human beings to live the life intended for them by God, their creator. The biblical terminology for sin as an act and a commission as well as human commission is is super extensive. Among the Old Testament words are, uh, it would be translated, miss the mark, fail, pass beyond, transgress, iniquity, perversion. New Testament terminology, much the same related words, injustice, unrighteousness. Uh, transgress, lawlessness. And so in Romans 3.23, it says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And a lot of times we take that as an indictment. I don't take it as an indictment. I take it and I try to unpack it that we come to the recognition that 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 when we look at the fall short of the glory, the word glory in the Greek is doxa, d o x a, and it means image of God. And when you look at that in the context, you realize that God had a God had purposes and plans and and, and and an extraordinary way for us to live. And yet, because of sin coming into the earth, we all have fallen short of of the standard that God had for us. And it should break our, it breaks our hearts when it's personal to us. When you have a son or a daughter that is just like not walking the way that you know they could walk, you know they could live above. But the problem is none of us can do that. It's not like you can just, you know, get your, you know, pull up your, your big boy pants and, and, and walk in that way. It's been proven. The Old Testament proved we couldn't. And so Jesus came that he might be the righteousness of God on our behalf. I mean, that is the message of Christmas. There's not one person unaffected by sin. We can sin against God. We can miss the mark. How about this? We can miss the mark when it comes to these relationships, too. How many of you have missed the mark when it comes to these horizontal relationships? Man, I really messed up there. I really I, I, I hurt somebody there. You know, I misrepresented something there. And, and 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 we overall we have a tendency to to judge it. Well, that's just a little white lie, or that's the unforgivable sin. All of it basically separates us from the standard and the heart that God had for us, and that we need a Savior. And it's a lot easier for us many times to look at somebody else's sin than our own sin. We don't want to pray that prayer. Search me, O oh God. Know my heart. See if there be any wicked in me. That's a really, you got to have some courage to pray that prayer. Because you're saying, God, show me the places in me where I've missed the mark. And then it reminds me that I need Jesus even more. See, we want to Diminish the role of sin. We want to re- redefine it. We want to refine it, redefine it, dress it up, and act like it doesn't make a difference. We want to justify it. We want to quantify it. We want to dilute it. We want to act like it applies to somebody else and not us. But we all needed rescued. And the celebration of Christmas is a story of God coming in person to deliver the only rescue possible. It's the only thing that we needed. And He gave it to us. In John 1.29, I already quoted this. The next day, this is John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming toward Him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Takes it away. How does that feel? Takes away. So I want to look quickly in Luke regarding the announcement. You guys all with me? You there? I want to look at Luke regarding the announcement to the shepherds regarding the Christ child. In Luke 2.12, it says, And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Now, you'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And I want to just kind of unpack a couple of things. Why the mention of swaddling clothes? Swaddling clothes. What is that? Old Testament tradition. What's that Bible thing over there that maybe we don't have a right frame of reference over here? So a couple things. One of the interesting cultural aspects that is that shepherds would keep linen cloth close to them so they could wrap somebody in case somebody died. And then the other aspect was that people that would travel a long distance... Um, and the men would wrap linen cloth around their midsection. So if they, if someone passed along the journey, they could wrap them in linen. That was their tradition. So you see, something that the angel of the Lord was speaking to the shepherds was starting to, to kind of permeate their understanding of, uh, of the context. The other cultural thing is that if a baby was considered legitimate, or a baby was considered legitimate if the father took the linen cloth and wrapped it. That's a legitimate son. And the one that I find the most interesting, that I think is the most applicable, prophetic, was that most, all of the lambs that were used in the temple sacrifices would have been birthed in flocks close to Bethlehem. And it was required that the lamb being offered was free from imperfection, then the shepherd would swaddle the lamb and lay them down in a bed of straw until things had settled down a a bit. So when the angel announced the child and that he would be swaddled, they understood the implied prophetic sign that this child was the perfect lamb of God. So when you read that again or you sing that again, you just have a different context. Like, wow, that is so good. God is speaking. Man, he'll speak through traditions. He'll speak through his word. He'll speak through dreams. Spoke to Joseph through a dream. All of this, he's, he, he, he's, God's nature is to intersect your ordinary with his extraordinary. And Matthew 1.22, says, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded, and he took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. So, you know, here, here as much as our nation and the world needs a divine encounter, an invasion of the power of God, because that's what we pray a lot. That's what we think a lot. God, we need revival. We want to see revival. We want to see things change. But how about in us first? You know, the Bible actually says judgment first starts with the church. See, God wants to deal with something here before He deals with something there. And we can get passive. We can... We can get passive. We can just kind of go through the motions. But we as believers need it. Joseph and Mary were favored by, they were believers in God. Highly favored was the word the angel used in Luke. But God interrupted their life with an extraordinary intersection and extraordinary visitation. And I was impressed that we can go on in life and even walking the best we can as ordinary people we still need the extraordinary visitation of God to happen in our lives and when this happens when we combine the visitation of God in our lives there's a couple important components life is never the same see what i find is that there's a partnership there's been times when God God has spoken to me. I, I can, you know, it might be through the word coming alive. It might be through a prophetic word. It might be through the still small voice. It might be through that knowing in your knower. Like, I think God wants me to do this. And then I always have the choice to say, hmm, am I going to do this? Or am I not going to do this? There's a partnership. There's something that happens. God wants to take what you consider ordinary and turn it into the extraordinary. Not just in this situation. What I loved, and Pastor Stephen referred to this in our, in our prayer before the service, is, uh, the, the, the story of the first miracle that Jesus did publicly at the wedding at Cana. And if you remember, they ran out of wine, so he basically told the servants, you know, what I think is kind of an interesting back and forth, too, is that his mother came to him and said, hey, Jesus, we're, uh, we're out of wine for the wedding. That was a pretty big deal. And, you know, he's like, hey, my, my, my time has not come yet. But I'm, only, I'm almost thinking, I mean, I think through stuff and I kind of try to read be, between the lines. I'm thinking, hmm, she must have known, he must have been doing some pretty cool stuff at home. Right? I mean we don't have no more peanut butter, Jesus. I I don't know, you know. But she came to him with great expectation, right? And so what did he do? He took, he said, he said, go take the, the six water pots and fill them full. Well what was happening was those six water pots are the number of man, they represent man. And being only half full, they were really there for ceremonial purposes, right? And he said, fill them up. And what he was, as essence saying, he said, take what was formerly just ceremonial and fill it up to being useful. And then he basically does what he does and he turns it from water into wine. God wants to take your water. God wants to take the areas of our life that are only ceremonial. He wants to fill us with his spirit to where it's more than useful and he wants to breathe on it so that we can take the extraordinary things and they become what we are. Man, it's so good. So there's two acts of our will that will change everything, two choices to make when you have a visitation from God. Part of the story is, so Mary finds out she's found with child. I still love how the Bible describes that. She's found with child. And then one of the first things that she does is she actually leaves and goes over to travels to her cousin Elizabeth, who's actually pregnant. And the really cool thing too, is I love this, is that as soon as she, as soon as she shows up and there's a greeting, basically the baby in Elizabeth's womb, which would be John the Baptist, leaps. I just think that was the coolest thing. And you know what also speaks to me? I want to be around people that cause something in me to stir. Man, something that just lifts my faith, challenges me, gets me out of my apathy, gets me out of my, my rut. But anyway, so we, we pick up the story. And Elizabeth says this, for behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. See, what we have is we have believe or trust, and then the action step to obey. Believe, trust, and then obey. Those two components, to trust and obey, to believe and obey, will be the very factor that causes you to walk in a way that God has called you to walk see mary obeyed in luke 1 38 it says and mary said behold i am the servant of the lord let it be to me according to your word right there was a yes in her spirit there was a yes in her heart there would have been a lot of us that was like no way god go find somebody else ain't no way i'm going to go through the public shame i'm going to go through the questions no way i'm going to talk to my 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 fiance and tell him hey sorry dude but i'm already pregnant and it's by the holy spirit she could have said no but she said yes joseph obeyed matthew 1 24 25 when joseph woke from his sleep he did as the angel of the lord commanded there's the obedience there's the action step but knew her not until she had given birth and he called his name jesus isn't that i don't know about you pastors but i just think that's really cool that, I know God had told him what he would call him, but just the honor of being able to release that name as as his earthly father. Listen, Joseph was Jesus' earthly father. And he he got to say, hey, we're going to call him Jesus. We find the shepherds obeyed. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem. See this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. See, shepherds most likely obeyed and moved out of their comfort zone. Your obedience will move you out of your comfort zone. Because we all got a comfort zone. I remember years ago, a few years ago, walking through Walmart, pushing a cart with my wife she's shopping I'm minding the cart and I've been praying God I just want I just want to hear your voice clear I want to I want to hear you and I want to I want to I want you to speak to me and I want and I want to obey and I'm pushing the cart and then this young lady with a child walks around the corner and I heard God say tell her she's a good mom I'm like oh me I don't want to be like the creepy dude with a cart in the aisle. And so I didn't do it. I was going to do it. And then she put her phone up to her. Okay, good. I don't have to do it. And then I went around the corner again. There she is again. And I'm like, God says, tell her she's a good mom. And I'm like, oh, Lord, I, I, I don't know if I can. Do it. And then the, the moment was passed. And then I was out in the produce area because that's what we finish up. We always finish up with produce right? That's what you do. That's what she does. And, and I told God, and I was, I was like, oh man, I think I missed it. I've been asking God to speak to me. And then when he spoke to me, I felt like I wasn't obedient. So I said, God, and I'm, I'll be honest with you. At this time, I was going to make it hard for God. This was Walmart, y'all. And it was like us being there on Saturday. It was packed. And I'm like, God, Okay, here's my fleece. Um, I'm going to speak to her and tell her this, but she's got to come into the line that we check out with. That's what I said. And so I basically just, uh, you know, we kept doing, because, you know, you got potatoes and you got salads and you got stuff, and it kind of slipped my mind a little bit. And then we got into line. And I'm just kind of standing there, minding my own business, kind of waiting and I kind of turn around and who comes into my line right behind me is this young mom with her child. And I'm like, oh, And I just like and I and I told her, I just said, you know, I'm a, I'm a pastor. I'm a believer. I believe Jesus stands up inside of us and speaks. And I just think you need to know God says to you, you're a good mom. I don't know what I expected I expected she'd fall to her knees and there'd be revival in Walmart <laughs> seriously and she she said oh oh but you know what it wasn't about her it was about me it was about me I recognized that if I want to hear God and and be directed by God I've also got to obey God I've got to take those steps I've got to take those steps. How many of you have ever had a child that you tell them, you tell them, and tell them pretty soon, you just get tired of telling them because they don't do it. I want to foster. We need to foster a fresh, new way of hearing from God. And it's got to be coupled, partnered with obedience and trust. And then finally, I love Anna. The story of Anna. Anna, the Bible says that she was in the temple day and night. She had got married. Uh, she'd been married for seven years and then was widowed. And then from that time till she's like 85 years old in the temple day and night. And they brought the Christ child into her for her to see. And in Luke 2.38, we pick up the story. It says, and coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of Him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. You know what's cool? I'd never seen this before, but she not only began to give thanks, but she was also moved to witness, moved to testify, moved to speak, and she moved from the temple of comfort to being a witness to all. Man, that's just so cool. God will move you. There is a world that is weary, that needs people. Who don't just celebrate the Christmas message but are moved by it. And so don't be surprised if you're just walking along and God intervenes. God intersects your ordinary life with an extraordinary thing in Christ. We need the extraordinary intersection with God His grace, His power, His forgiveness. We need a Savior. Our nation needs a Savior, and the world needs a Savior. And they have one. His name is Jesus. Come on. Can I get an amen? Amen. Jesus came to save us from sin. And just as the Holy Spirit brought a miracle through Mary, there's another miracle waiting. There's a miracle waiting for somebody here today. Could you just close your eyes and bow your heads with me? I'm going to be I, I just want I want to speak to the person in the room that you haven't taken that step of action yet maybe you've felt the draw of the Holy Spirit you've heard the gospel you recognize I need a savior i I, I, I need Jesus because i I have missed the mark for all of sinned but you've never taken the step of action you've never taken that step to say i I sense the the Lord knocking on the door of my heart. And now today I'm going to open the door of my heart and I'm going to invite Jesus to come in to be Lord and Savior. There's nobody looking around. I want to give you the opportunity right now, if that's you, just right where you sit. You're saying today, I want to give my life to this Jesus. I want to open my door. I open the, the the door of my heart. I want you to just just lift your hand up and 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 wave at me I, in agreement. You're saying, Pastor, today's the day. Today's my day. Thank you, sir. In the back. Thank you, sir. Anybody else? You're saying, Pastor, today's my day. I'm going to respond to the gospel, to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus name. For those of you that raised your hand, I've got uh, Pastor Robbie's just going to come and connect with you. Just give you something. It's important that we don't do this, you know, we do this in community. This is community. Anybody else this morning, you'd say, hey, today's the day I need, I, I want to give my, I want to open the door of my heart to this Jesus. Anybody else today? If you're online, there's a, a link you can text and you can say, hey, I, I gave my life to Christ today. We want to we connect with you. Can we just put our hands together and celebrate? Come on, this is good. I want to, I want to encourage you that today is the day to believe. Today is the day to walk in obedience. Today is the day to be moved. God wants to move us. Amen.